As you know, we have spent some time in some series of the preeminence of Jesus and the, fa- the fatherhood of God and the, uh, the heart of the Father. And uh, those are all available, you know, on the web. And this morning, I want to start with what I would uh, refer to as grace supplements for your soul. Grace supplements for your, your soul. I think that, um, I think we'll read the scriptures before I start, from which we will be drawing, you know, perspectives in these supplements. How many take supplements naturally? All right, yeah. How many know what they're for? (laughs) Or why do you take them? (laughs) All right, all right, you know. So anyway, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him, he instructed him, and he kept him as the apple of his eye. I emphasize this morning, you know, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you, from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory. Now when you break that down, that means you'll find the reference to Jesus. To touch the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Is that it? For surely I will shake my hand against them, and they shall become spoil for their servants. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in the midst. In your midst, says the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the lot allotted to the righteous. Let the righteous reach out their hands, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Thank you. So is the reading of the word this morning. Eschologically, when we talk about the apple of God's eye, the first verse that we read referenced Jacob. Jacob, of course, out of Jacob came the 12 tribes. And from a specific standpoint, the apple of God's eye, you know, definitely has a a biblical reference and uh, both then and now to, to Israel, to Israel. But as a, at the same time, uh, you know, the expansion that is brought, which begins to include the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, then we begin to understand that it is not limited to 
a nation and a sector of land. All right? And so, uh, uh, with that in mind, understanding that part, which we will not, you know, delve into, but making it relative uh, to you and uh, uh, to the church, to the believer today. So when the scripture says that you are the apple of your eye, it's obvious that it did not come from Hallmark. They did not coin that. The Bible did. God is the one that said the apple of your eye. It is defined as such one who is highly loved and cherished. It is a, as though there is a constant reflection in his pupil. It's what he cares about most. It is what one is looking at in life. Think about it now. You are the apple of his eye. The magnitude of it is that it says God loves you as if you were the only one. We know that God so loved the world that, that, he, that he gave his only begotten son. And so that love is not thinned out because there's so many people. But literally the apple of his eye literally means that God loves you as though you were the only one. You can get excited with me this morning if you want to, all right? <laughs> yes. Supplements for our soul. Why, why do we need supplements for our soul? Well, I'm going to start out with a reason this morning. And that is, so our weariness does not stop us. Weariness is a reality. I didn't talk to my wife. She, that was all on her own. And so, so there must be a confirmation here. She talked about weariness. The scripture says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Men ought always to pray and not to faint or become weary. Oftentimes the enemy of enthusiasm is time. Or waiting. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So apparently, weariness can be, you know, it is a real thing of life. 
It was Esau who sold his birthright because of weariness. He comes in out of the field and he's weary. And he makes bad choices and bad decisions. He throws in the towel for the, he throws in the towel of his tomorrows for the satisfaction and the refreshing of the moment. And so we see how powerful weariness is in relationship to your future. In that delay has a tendency to rob enthusiasm. Waiting is part of life, but how you wait determines whether the waiting brings you strength. If you just wait on time, you know, it gets heavy. It gets long. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There's an activity. There's an involvement. There's a connection that is necessary in the waiting period. And that's when Jesus has come unto me, all you who are weary. He does not want you staying in the field of weariness. He wants you to come. He is the God who refreshes. He is the God that understands weariness. He's the God that, that, you know, understands, you know, time and delay. Think about it. Here's God, so in love, so wanting, seeing the condition of mankind and, and wants to redeem them. And the plan is that he is going to be slain, but it was set before anything began. And yet he has to wait all of these years before he gets to come. Yeah. So weariness. Weariness. It's a valid thing, and this morning we want weariness to have a supplement for, for weariness. Think about it. When God looks at the nations, according to the prophet, they're but a drop in the bucket. But yet he elevates his children and his believers to where they are the apple of his eye. 
As you and I both know that there's nothing so tender and delicate as the eye. Now, and so you have a tender and delicate, and as the apple of God's eye, there is the first thing that will happen when there is a force or something out of bounds or overmeasured that comes into your eye, what do you do? You protect it. You protect it. And so this morning, as the apple of God's eye, you are the center of his focus, and you are precious in his sight. So within this frame, God is a first responder. When there's a crisis or a criticalness, when there's an issue, God's the first one to respond. It says in Zechariah chapter 2, he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. We can glean a couple of things from that. Number one, you have enemies. You have enemies. He who touches you touches the apple of his eye. And he goes on to talk about, O daughter of of Zion. Yes. The scripture says his eye is on the sparrow. His conscious of the lily of the field, the grass of the ground, the beggar by the way, and the leper who is separated, and the sheep of his pasture. It was Isaiah 49 and 16 that says this, that God has, has inscribed you in the palm of his hand. Literally meaning your image. And it's not just an image with a picture, church. It's your case. It's your circumstance. It's your weakness. It's the works that you do. It's the wants that you have. It's the concerns that are concerning you. Hallelujah. Yes. First Peter chapter 5, I believe it is, and verse 5 says, to casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. That word cast literally means to fling. There goes my cares. It's too hot in here anyway. (laughs) Right. Fling your cares. 
I know that's easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. It really is. But we have talked about the fatherhood of God. We've talked about the father, father's heart of God. You know? And now we're talking about that you are the apple of his eye. Because of Jesus Christ. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Yes. Because of that one true son, we're the apple of, of his eye. Jesus himself said that the Father loves you just like he loves him. It says in Psalms 144, his banner over us is love. In goodness and mercy are ours all the days of our life. Now there's enemies, without a doubt. I think that sometimes, all too often, we focus on the negative. We center on the chaos and on the drama we experience in our life. And yet, in this book, every page reverberates with God's unfailing love for his children. Yes. Plans for us. He's always right beside us. Every single day. Guiding us in our decisions and our trials and enjoying the blessings that we face. See, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. I love Jeremiah 29. Everybody does too. The thoughts that God has for us. You're the apple of God's eye. You got a case this morning? You got a circumstance this morning? You got a concern this morning? You got a want this morning? It's all in his reflection. He is constantly aware of it. The image of it is always there. Yes. There was a providential eye of God. And he says in Psalm 32 and 8, he says, I will guide you with my eye. The providential eye of God is he can see your future. He sees your future. He knows the end from the beginning. Not only sees your future, but he's a God who cares about your future. He sees your mess and your marvel. He sees your work and your worship. But education about God in ourselves often comes not on the mountaintop, 
but in the wilderness. True. What is the phrase that we have in our own system? Experience is the best teacher. There's a woman in the scriptures that she was used, she was abused, and she was refused. And her name was Hagar. You're familiar with the story. She gets involved by someone else's choice and will. But in this wilderness, as she is refused, she discovers that he is a God who cares and a God who sees the future. Because she's the one that said that. And she's in a predicament and a dilemma. She has no home. She's been kicked out. She's journeying, but she don't know where she's going. She only sees, you know, death and the end of things. But God sees her. Because there's an insignia. He sees her tears. He sees her lot. And he gives her instruction. So the good news this morning is that God's vision is good. And he sees things before it happens. Happens. Because when you can't see God's plan and you're feeling the pain, He feels or He sees the pain. He notices when your feet stumble. Oh, yes. He is the one that works all things together for good. The sight of God with regard to your life and my life is complete, is constant, and is compassionate. To the point that the hairs on your head are numbered. Oh, yes. Think about this great God and the tenderness of him that God is a, has a tear catcher. That's right. <clears throat> Psalm 56 says that all my tears are in your bottle. It's caught your every tear. Yes. You see this God who holds your heart 
to hold your hand. He wants to hold your hand. This one who sits on high, he stoops low enough to share our sorrows. The one who is timeless takes time to hold our hand. This God of which we are the apple of his eye. He knows your words before you speak them. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows your prayers before you pray them. He knows your tomorrow, your next week, next month, year, every moment of every day. He knows it. Wow. You not only have a special place in the sight of God, but God has your back. God has your back. When you're in trouble and afraid, when you're in the desert of disappointment, God has your back. Yes, when the unexplainable knows when you've begged for yeses, when devastating dead ends where you have pleaded for pleasant paths, God's got your back. You remember the story of the Israelites. We have a phrase in our society, you know, between a rock and a hard place. The Red Sea was before them. The army of Egypt is behind them. Their backs are against the wall. They're so cornered, they're screaming at Moses, why did you bring us out here? Why did you ever lead us? Why did you ever let this happen? And they begin to come up with their own reasonings. In this case, they said, well, there wasn't enough room for graves for us. So, I mean, and we'd rather have died there than have died out here. You're not going to die on the journey. Hallelujah. So here they are, they're in trouble and they're acting like a spoiled child. But guess what? God kept his promise. Yes. When you forget him, he doesn't forget you. In fact, as he writes, he says, can a mother forget her nursing child? He says, even if she would forget, God won't.
There was a special attention of God in the infancy of everything. Somebody give the Lord a praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a special attention of God in the infancy of everything. Yes. And so be encouraged this morning that God has your back. God's loyalty is unquestionable, unending, and unsurpassed. Every dilemma is just another occasion, an opportunity for him to prove his faithfulness, his sovereignty, and his majesty. Yes. God never leaves, ignores, or looks another way, or fails to help when we are in trouble. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's not a bystander. He's a first responder. In fact, his... He's looking for those occasions and those moments and those times, you know what I mean, that you need him more. Second Chronicles 16 and 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro on all the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Yes. God, he's got your... He's got your back. And we'll look at this a little bit further here. There's safety in the hands of God. No one can pluck you out of my hand. Nothing can distract God from you and your case that's written in his hand. God's hand is a hand of security. It's a hand of help. It's a hand that shows you got value. It's a hand that has incorporated hope in it. It is a hand that is so large that it can measure the waters in the hollow of it, but yet it's so tender that it picks up the babies. God keeps us in his hand. Psalms 36 and 15 says God's times are, or our times are in his hands. I know all about vision, projection, you know, anticipation, uh, laying out your future. I know all of that. And it has a sense of value and worth. But somebody bigger than you and I 
has been orchestrating our lives. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. I want to emphasize this morning that all of thine heart. Yes. I think I get a heart trust partially. (laughs) But it has sometimes some time limits on it. And lean not to thine own understanding. And in all the ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. You're going to become, it's going to be apparent to you. Let me tell you about this God through a story that you're safe in his hands. It's a story about a farmer who farmed on the east coast, the Atlantic Sea, which in this particular, you know, uh, area, they're constantly, you know, having major storms. And so it was virtually impossible to hire someone because people were familiar with, you know, the great storms that would come and destroy everything. And so this farmer, you know, had put out a notice that he wanted to hire somebody and all the, inter- all the applicants he interviewed, most of them would turn him down. And finally a man past middle age approached the farmer and and the farmer asked him are you a good farmhand and the farmer you know and he 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 said well i can sleep when the wind blows that was his response to are you a good farmer puzzled by the answer of course the farmer desperate to hire the man he discovered that he worked well. He was, he was busy throughout the day. He was satisfied with the man's work. But one night, the wind howled and the storm began to blow in. And The farmer, jumping out of bed, and grabbed his lantern and rushed next door to the hired hand's sleeping quarters and shook the man and yelled and said, Get up! A storm is coming! Tie down the things before they blow away! The little hired hand man rolled over in his bed and said firmly, No, sir, I told you I can sleep when the wind blows. Of course, the farmer was quite enraged at the man's response and was tempted at that moment to fire him. But instead, he hurried outside to prepare for the storm. And to his amazement, he discovered that all the haystacks had been covered with tarping. The cows were in the barn. The chickens were in the coops. And and the doors were barred. And the shutters were tightly secured. And everything was tied down. And nothing could blow away. Then the farmer understood what the hired hand meant. And he returned returned to bed to sleep. While the wind blew. Safe. 
Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's not hallmark either. That's the word of God. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. Yes. Think about this. The Lord fought for Israel even when they were fatigued, fearful, and fickled. They didn't have all their T's dotted and their T's dotted, yeah. I's dotted and T's crossed. Be glad I caught it. <laughs> no. Grumbling and complaining. They've been running all night for their life. Yes. See, God chooses the journey. He not only has our backs, but He chooses our path. He chose the long route because He knew that. Preparation was necessary before you reach your destination. Learning and discovery, not only who he is, but, you know, who you are. And he wanted to get him to be able to see like he said to Jonathan, and Jonathan discovered, you know, that God, he can save by many or few. No, I personally like the many. <laughs> Why does God take certain journeys when in our minds our GPS is saying, you know, it's quicker? It's faster. Well, he says. He wants to produce produce humility in us. He wants us to see what kind of heart we really have. Yeah. He wants to find out whether or not if he sets something before us, what choices we will make. Will you keep my commandments? He's just saying, what kind of choices will you make? And then the great lesson for life is that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yeah. It's his word. It's his word. There's life. The words that I speak there is spirit and they are life. 
So the Lord not only has our backs, but the Lord follows us. How important is that? In other words, God positions himself between you and the enemy. Exodus chapter 14, 19, And the angel of God who went with before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went went from before them and stood behind them. It's amazing things begin to happen when God positions himself behind you. Yes. Think about it. What's the difference between believers and unbelievers? No, there's many things, but there's one point I want to make. It's the forecast. It's the forecast. Yes. Sunny skies for Israel and cloudy skies for the unbeliever. We're not dealing with the unbeliever this morning. We're dealing with, you know, the believer. Forecast. The forecast. Think about it. Psalm 56 and 8 says, Weeping only lasts the night, but joy comes in the morning. Romans 8 and 28, things are working out for good. Paul continues to write that God is for you. The foul weather will give way to sunny skies. Job plights are going to turn out to be better than the beginnings. I mean, you know that scripture. The the noose that's set for Mordecai all of a sudden is no longer fulfilled. Yes, all church. Just as God turns the nighttime into day, he turns your burden into blessings. He turns your past into purpose. Not only that, according to the prophet Joel, that God has promised a heavenly downpour. Think about it. It shall come to pass, saith the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And the activity of that Holy Spirit will begin to be evident, you know, in the people. Yes. 
This God is the one, according to Isaiah 63 and 1, he says he turns our mourning into joy. He turns our despair into praise. Paul said he turns our weaknesses into strengths and our dilemmas into delights. Now, I know those are words that I put together that kind of rhyme, but if you capture it, it's just a nutshell. It's what God does. Does. He surrounds his people and he has given you and I a heavenly forecast in this book. And he sent the Holy Spirit, and I mean, to quicken it and to make it alive and bring it to the forefront of life. Because he doesn't want you staying in the field of weariness. He wants you to come. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Yes. It says in Psalms 125 and 2, oh my goodness, look what time it is. Let's get my musicians up here. (laughs) He says, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is or surrounds his people both now and forevermore. Not only is, are you the apple of his eye, but there has been, there is a mountain of protection. There is a wall. Yes. And God... lead you out when God's endeavoring to bring you in and all the enemies that want to stop it, you know, are chasing you from behind. And he sets up darkness for them and light for you. There's no compass or map No equipment or technology can help the enemy track you. Yeah. He says in that passage of scripture, as he surrounds them and they shall not be moved. They shall not be moved. Did... Oh, I guess they're coming. The Lord finishes what he starts. These are supplements, grace supplements. He finishes what he starts. He never leaves things undone, half done, or nearly done. Jesus cried. It's finished 
You may not be the only one that God is trying to get a message to. In your dilemma, your situation. We discovered what he wanted them to learn. But he wanted the Egyptians to learn that he alone was God. He alone. That they might know that I am the Lord thy God. Your life and your life's journey is designed not only for your own education, but it is for the illumination, at least some insight. Even back then, news traveled. Because when they got to the first city of Jericho, she said, I mean, it was all shut up. It was closed up. We're not letting anybody in or anybody out because we have heard of this great God. Yeah. We have heard. Your life and your testimony, your journey. not only being well orchestrated it's being well supervised would you stand with me and give the Lord a praise today it's supervised amen the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivers them yes You and I have a birthright this morning. We have a birthright. And let's open the supplement bottle this morning. These few things that I've shared with you. Let's overdose. Because weariness can have a devastating effect on the tomorrows of your life. Now, God rescues. God catches things up. But he doesn't want it to take 40 years longer than it should. Amen? Amen. Amen. Right on time. Do we have a, a song this morning? I'm sure we do. Thank you.
rehearsing that you are the apple of God's eye. God has positioned himself between you and the enemy. That's right. The cross of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of our Savior, is positioned between you and failure, sin, all of those things that stumble. There's something there between it. So come in out of the field of weariness today and let him give you rest. Amen? Amen. Father, as we leave the house this morning, we pray for a Holy Spirit initiative in us. We pray for a clarity of mind by the Holy Spirit in this brain of ours that often God is calculating, is causing us to lean to our own understanding and while you're trying to get us to look at your track record. All we have to do is look around, look up and see that you've positioned yourself and that you were focused on us and that you have great plans help us to trust you with the path that you lead us down in Jesus name everybody said amen amen go with God he's going with you